we are live whoa crazy i mean we aren't any less live than we were <laughs> before <laughs> but at least i'll have synced audio it says so. a lot about society <laughs> today uh i'm interviewing my dear friend john um i've known john since grade one i think it's been a freaking long time um before we get going really i'd love to acknowledge that we are on the land of the musqueam slay with tooth and Squamish First Nations, because um, we're, we're freaking here. Uh, I guess the reason I want to interview John today, he has impressed me greatly in that he, he, he taught himself how to code to raise money for his education, and uh, I'm just so impressed. It's incredible, truly. Well, hello, hello. Hello. Love you, John. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Um, I wanted to structure this and kind of like a three-parter i will right. to talk to you a bit about programming and computers i know a lot about that talk about music because i think music's a lot of fun and then uh, we'll get into some city planning and <laughs> see where yeah. that goes <laughs> um so i'm curious uh on the city planning front just just so we get a little taste of that what, what did you do today <laughs> i rode buses for fun <laughs> and every time i tell people that i'm doing that they always ask me why and i don't have a good answer for them I think <laughs> ever since I was a kid, I just, I like collecting things. So I always, I had like a big bottle cap collection and then like a big coin collection. And I realized that I like collecting bus routes. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, in the Vancouver area or greater Vancouver area, do you know which ones you haven't done yet? Oh yeah. There's a lot. There's like 300 buses. So it, it will take me like a couple of years to ride all of them. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck, John. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so going into programming, I'm curious, um, what inspired you to learn and kind of what were the first steps for you to get into coding? Yeah. So actually, I kind of owe it all to my uncle who um, just like he's, he's a computer programmer and he also like he's very competent, like he taught himself everything. Um, and yeah, when I was like 12, he just he tried to teach me to code and he gave me like a, a Linux laptop. Um, uh, and it didn't have a GUI, so it was only a terminal interface, and I had to like figure it out. And I I didn't figure it out. I had no idea what I was doing, um, <laughs> and I didn't get anywhere. I totally gave up. Um, but I think that like planted a seed in my mind. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't until high school, until my friend Kevin, he was like, uh, he found this deal for like website hosting, and it was like a dollar and one cent or something, and you could host a website. And I was like, why not? You know, I'll, I'll learn how to make a website. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I just, I made the like most insane website I could. Um, and I was just going crazy with like animations and stuff. And uh, that was so much fun. I was like, I want to keep doing this. Was and that so, Webtigo? That was Webtigo.ca, <laughs> which unfortunately <laughs> does no longer exist. Um, Damn. I mean, it's still online, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then from there in school, um, I was very lucky to be part of an engineering program where um, we had to use Arduino for some projects. And so um, I liked that so much that I just went off on my own thing and, and learned to code. And then from there, I, I just kept working at it. That's amazing. So um, I know that you pretty much self-taught yourself Python before going to a coding like course. Um, what, what did the process of going through a programming design course look like for you? Yeah, so I actually knew how to code 
quite well going into that like programming course. Um, it's called like a boot camp, and basically the idea is that they sit you down for three months and then they just like blast you with information. They're like, this is how you do this, this is how you do that, and it's like it's a lot, <laughs> um, but they teach you a lot of like practical skills um, and stuff that would be it's not impossible to learn yourself, but it's a lot easier if you have someone to tell you. Um, but I already knew how to code quite well going into that, so it was kind of like a uh, it was quite easy for me. So honestly, it was just kind of like a real specification. Like, yeah, you know how to do this officially, you know, like you've gone through a course. Um, yeah, but it also filled in a lot of gaps that I, I didn't know. But I think the thing about programming is that um, it's very, it's, well, I was gonna say it's very hard. It's impossible to know everything. <laughs> you, you will not know everything. And so when you started a new job, you have to learn things. Like, it's just gonna be part of it. So um, even not knowing, you know, like even though I didn't know like everything, of course I didn't know everything, but like even though it didn't teach me everything, it still taught me the skills to like learn quickly, to like learn new things. Yes, definitely the skill to learn is a really valuable one. Um, oh yeah. That was that was a big mantra in the STEM program you completed, right? Yeah, uh, what that's was, right. What's the mantra? Fail fast, fail often. Shout out to STEM. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very true motto. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what better thing to do than to make mistakes and learn from them? Exactly. Um, I, I think it's it's a it's a great mindset to have to be a learner. But I'm curious now. So you got out of your code core, you get a job at um, a company doing software. Yeah. So I started as an intern, um, and <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of funny because they didn't really know what to do with me. Um, uh, they weren't I don't know, they weren't really planning on having an intern. They just kind of was very impromptu. Um, so they were just kind of throwing stuff at me, which was kind of fun. And I remember the first thing that they threw at me was they had this, there's this iPad app for our application. Um, and the dude that wrote this wrote everything in like, I don't know, like, a, like half a year or something and then just left. Um, so like no, no one knew how to like, no one had touched this in like years. Um, and there was a problem with it and they're like, you fix it. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> we, we don't know what we're doing so this is your job now like we have better things to do so you know like go go off and do this um and they thought it would take me like two weeks and i figured it out in like four days or something and they were like uh <laughs> we don't know what to do with you so <laughs> that's kind of funny um and yeah so but after that i just did i did a lot of data aggregation I actually worked a lot with data as an intern which was kind of funny had access to these like really powerful like data tools and they're just like oh figure it out <laughs> like <laughs> i didn't really get much direction which is fair because there were more important things going on at the company but yeah after that and then i started doing um like proper software development like writing code and and building websites and stuff cool so um what what company did you work for what were the services they provided <laughs> i worked for a company called wine direct um and i don't know if anyone is familiar with shopify um, but basically Shopify makes websites so that people can sell things. So if you want to sell something online, you might go to Shopify and, and you can sign up and create your online site uh, to sell things. And so WineDirect basically did that, but just for wineries, because um, there's a lot of like specific tools and, and like regulations that they need to follow. So uh, yeah, that's what they did. Crazy. Um, it's, a, it's a great idea, and I'm sure a lot of wine snobs were happy that you were doing work behind the scenes. <laughs> that is true. At one point, I fixed um, I fixed a bug in something, and one of my coworkers was like, you could walk into any, any winery in BC, tell them that you fixed that bug, and they would probably give you free wine. 
And I was like, ooh, people are actually like using this thing that I work on. Like they depend on it for their like daily lives. That's true. And um, that's not the only project that you've worked on that people use regularly. I know you have a bot going on. That's true. Um, I have a Discord bot and um, I don't know how to explain Discord for those who don't know what it is, but it's basically a messaging client. Um, And so I have an automated bot that responds to commands. Amazing. I want to, I want to dig more into that a bit later, but, um, before I would love to talk about just like programming in general, cause I am, uh, completely unbeknownst to it. It's, it's kind of another world that just flies over my head most of the time. So I'm curious as to what makes the language of computers so powerful. And, um, I guess in your case in particular, if I'm correct, you use Python most of the time. Uh, I do, I like, I've used Python a lot, but uh, now I use a language called TypeScript, which is kind of like better JavaScript, if anyone knows what JavaScript is. Um, JavaScript is a language that powers all websites. So anything that runs in the browser uses JavaScript, basically, because no other language works. Um, So I use that one. Um, But yeah, I think what makes, I mean, like the easy answer is abstraction, which is basically, computers are, are dumb. Like you have to tell them exactly what to do. Like they can't figure stuff out for you. Um, but the thing is that people have written programs that like deal with that. So you don't have to deal with the low level stuff of telling the computer exactly what to do. Um, you can you can give it more high level instructions. You know, like you know, like a website for example. When you program a website, you're not telling the computer you know which bits to move in the you know processor. Someone has figured that out, and you're just kind of using that. Um, and there's a lot of like abstraction built up, so that you can do like lots of, um, lots of really like high level uh, things without having to worry about what's going on like under the hood. Yeah, it I just get. Just kind of happens. I, I get what you mean. So the language gives you kind of an interface that. Um, that would allow you to communicate with the computer itself because otherwise it would just be so far lost in what's actually happening. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Exactly. And and just to be clear, you totally can interact with the computer and, you know, tell it which bits to move and stuff. And actually there's like a, there's a bit of a like system of high and low level languages. So some like low level meaning closer to that machine code and high level meaning farther away. Um, so you actually totally can program in like low level like, you know, you do this and you do that. And someone needs to do that, <laughs> you know, um, but not me. Cool. I had, I had, I had no idea. So I was quite curious. Um, I'm curious about computers outthinking us because I know AI is a big thing that people talk about uh, nowadays. And I know you've made your own, like, uh, neural networks. I'm curious as to how a neural network functions, kind of like what it's based off of. Um, as well as what your your ideas on the future of it will be. Yeah, so before I studied, I did a project on AI where I studied it and tried to create my own. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, it did not go well. Uh, I tried making my own from scratch, you know, like writing every part of it, um, and it sucked. But it was, it was really cool to learn. I had to learn how everything, exactly how everything worked so I could, you know, program it. Um, and before I did that, I thought it was magic. I like didn't, you know, it's like a black box that you put stuff into and then it, how does it like know things? But then I realized it's just math. And not only that, it's just brute force, trial and error. Like the, just like so quickly that it learns. So <laughs> there's all sorts of like machine learning, like joke comics. Um, 
I don't know if I can if I can like retell them, but basically what it does is it guesses. So you give it a problem. So it, if I can think of a sample problem, um, let's say you have a bunch of images of cats and dogs, and you want to sort them into cats and dogs, right, into two separate piles. So if you were to create a machine learning um, application to do that, you'd basically you'd have to have a big pile of cats and dogs. That's called your training data, right? So a bunch of images you have. Um, and you basically feed it into the AI, and what it does is it guesses, right? So it takes one image and it guesses completely randomly. Like, is this a cat or a dog? Well, I don't know, you know, like cat. <laughs> and then um, you tell it, yes, that was a cat, or no, that was a dog. Um, and then it does a bunch of math. So what a neural network is, is the network it's like a network of, I guess, neurons is what they would be called, but it's basically just a bunch of nodes um, and and things that connect the nodes. And basically, you can think of it as a big like switchboard of dials and knobs and stuff, right? So if you were a human trying to you know play the part of an AI, you would have this big board with, with dials on it, right? And each one you can turn, and each one has a value. And so every time you get um, and, and let's just say it's some complicated formula, right? Where you put an image in and you get either cat or dog. Um, and every time you get a cat or a dog, if you get it right, then you you turn the dials like more in that direction. And if you get it wrong, you turn it in the other direction. So you basically turn all the knobs so um, so that like, it, it's just math, right? So all you're trying to do is turn the knobs so that they they produce a more correct answer next time. I don't know if this makes sense. Uh, it's kind of, kind of hard to describe, um, but that's kind of all it is, is a, a machine just tweaking a bunch of knobs at random. Well, not random. There's some complicated math that I don't really understand, but you know, it's just tweaking knobs. So <laughs> I don't know. It feels like we're very far away from like real AI, because you know, like, like superhuman intelligence or you know, like sci-fi kind of thing. I don't know, it just feels like we're very far away from that. Um, and there's other types of artificial intelligence, like that's not the only type, but um, our computers are just not strong enough to do that. So I'm kind of skeptical that we'll ever have some sort of, you know, evil AI that will wipe us out, but I don't know, it'd be a cool way to go. Yeah, definitely. It's probably better than us killing ourselves with the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kill ourselves with technology instead. Exactly. But, um, God only knows. It sounds um, curious. Are, I, that's the only type of AI I know about. Are there any others that you know about that most people wouldn't consider? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember any. The only like other one I know, which is kind of cheating, which is a neural network of neural networks. So it's actually how YouTube's algorithm works. Um, it's basically an algorithm that creates algorithms. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but basically what you're doing is getting an AI to create AIs for you. Yeah, because so, everyone needs their own AI for their YouTube recommendations, and there has to be a bigger system that makes it for people. It's more than that. So there is still just one like AI recommending things, um, but that AI is created by an AI, and those AI were created by Google engineers. So the the google engineers actually have no idea not only how the algorithm works but how it was created they don't know anything about it because it was created by an ai because what the ai does is it basically creates a whole bunch of different algorithms and then picks the best one 
That's crazy. It's really cool. That's um, amazing. I yeah. had no idea. No wonder YouTube recommendations are such a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great Tom Scott video about that. I have to shout this out um, where he talks about the YouTube algorithm and he, he talks about that black box kind of thing um, and AI creating AI, um, but also like the problems with it. Because the thing with AI is you have to give it a right answer, right? You have to tell it this is good or this is bad. Um, and in YouTube's case, um, every time they change that, people would exploit it. So they did, um, I think they started with clicks, right? Like, you know, how many clicks can a video get? But then people started lying in their thumbnail, some thumbnails and titles and stuff. And that was like over-generating clicks and, you know, rewarding that. So the algorithm being a crapshoot is kind of, it's a mix of a lot of things. And that's kind of one of them is, is YouTube doesn't really know what to ask for. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things to judge, and there's so much content to show to people. So exactly, it's it's a hard thing to get right, but um, and it's crazy that it works so well too. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's uh, wild. It's a very addictive machine to be a part of. Definitely, um, but I, it it works. I get it. Um, I I do want to go back to your bot because I think it's amazing. Okay. Um, it connects to Last FM, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And. Um, well, I don't know. You should explain it. What does it do? How long have you worked on it? And um, how many lines of code is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what it is, is it is a bot that interacts with Last.fm. And for those who don't know, Last.fm is um, a website that keeps track of your music listening. So every time you listen to a song, it writes it down. And then you can query it and say, well, how many times did I listen to this artist or this song? Um, and so I have a bot that interacts with that. And so not only does it like do the simple stuff like how many times did I play this artist but it does um you know other interesting stuff like how many people in this you know community am I am I in like how many people have listened to this artist um who listened to this artist first out of all the people that I know um so there's a lot of ex extractions that I do with that um what was the second question um how long have you worked on it and how oh, many yeah. lines of code is it <laughs> I have a counter in my bot actually uh, I recorded the date that I first like pushed to the repository like I first like started it um, so I have a little counter in my bot that shows how many days old it is. Um, I think it's at 460 or something like that. So uh, a year and a half-ish. Young boy. <laughs> Wait, I shouldn't have assumed it's gender. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, and uh, what was the last question? How many lines of code? Oh, yeah. It has, um, I think... Well, there's kind of like three separate parts. So I think in total it's about 70,000... <laughs> nice one. I think it's about 70,000 lines of code, um, which to the average person means absolutely nothing. And, um, means nothing to and I'm sorry, I don't know if I can pick up a good analogy for it. Um, just for context, the application that I worked on at work was 2 million lines of code. 2 million? And that had been being written for over a decade by like many teams of people. Crazy. So That's a lot of code, I guess. Yeah. Also, uh, just so you know, this is this is a uh, cherry juice, not wine. Yeah, <laughs> keep it PG. Got to keep it PG. Well, well, for now, <laughs> for now at least. Uh, soon, well, there will be more debauchery. Um, perhaps, perhaps. Exciting. Uh -huh. This this one this this is gonna be my transition into music because I think music is such a fantastic thing. But um, me too. How has Last FM sites like um, Rate Your Music and Discord impacted your experience with music? Yeah, like extremely wildly <laughs> um i don't know if it's i don't know if it's like a personal thing but as soon as i got into music communities and like started talking to people about music i got way more interested in it 
Um, and not only that, I started listening to like a lot of different music, um, like stuff I'd never considered before. And, you know, I, some of my favorite music is recommendations from other people. Um, and I think that rules because, <laughs> you know, I can get excited about music with people. Um, and that's something I'd never really done before, except with my dad. Um, but, you know, he's lame and listens to old music. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got to expand the horizon sometimes, of course. <laughs> Sorry, dad. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was, it was crazy. And I, I recommend that anyone like really interested in, in music should, should join them because, uh, it's very fun yeah. as long as you re meet the right people. Cause there are a lot of snobby music nerds out there. Yeah. We got the chill ones. <laughs> yeah. You gotta find, you gotta find some cool people. That's, that's always the struggle, isn't it? Finding, um, cool people, freaking lots of weirdos out there. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, as far as music goes i'm curious to get into some recommendations i know um you said you've got some good recommendations from people that you've met online are there any albums that really stand out to you or any artists uh yeah i'd say <laughs> oh this is a loaded question <laughs> this is a heavily loaded question john why don't okay. we make like a list we're trying to find like 10 or 15 i can i can think we have really couple good ones um i'm just gonna pick weird albums because they're way more interesting um, but one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite albums, um, that someone recommended to me was, uh, Candy Claws. Oh, I think it's called, oh, it's called Series and Calypso into the deep time. Um, and it's this crazy, like shoegaze tropical dream pop kind of like really out there, um, album. And I really like that. Um, that was the first time I've ever heard shoegaze, which is a genre of music and hard to describe. Um, I remember like reading many times what shoegaze is before I listened to it and I just listened to it and I'm like okay I get it now like this what that is it makes sense um so I can't describe it I'm sorry but it's very like dreamy and washed out um and that album was really cool because that led me to get into a new genre that I'd never you know heard before um and now it's like my favorite genre so shoegaze yeah <laughs> shoegaze it's because they gaze at their shoes while playing it that's the idea crazy <laughs> it's crazy so shout out to my friend cad zoodle cad zoodle <laughs> he's the one that recommended it to me cool yeah All oh right. that's one we got more to one. go okay um i got okay i got two other good ones um the second one i found on rate your music which is um it's a site where you can rate music shocking i know um but it also has really good like music discovery tools basically you can kind of click through and look through things um and i just saw something that looked really interesting i like the album cover and i just i like the whole vibe and i was like i'm gonna listen to this um, and it was really good um and they're called mookie mookie man mansu <laughs> they're a uh, korean like something i don't even something. really know what genre of music it is it's just weird but they just like they play instruments Okay, I'm going to be brutally honest, really poorly, um, and they cannot sing. Um, but their music is just so fun. And it's like, you, I don't know, I always, whenever I listen to them, I just like feel the fun like secondhand. It doesn't matter that the music like kind of sucks, but it's, it's kind of amazing because it sucks. Because normally when you listen to music, it's so polished and like clean and you know like well not all music but typically you know good <laughs> right like someone's put effort into it but this they don't they don't care at all they're just like singing that they're, they're just having fun right and they put they just put that out i don't know so i ended up even though like it's kind of terrible i still ended up really enjoying it because it was very fun um and i recommend everyone at least you know try it 
What is it called? Mookie Mookie. Mookie Mookie Man Man Sue. And they only have one album, which is called 2012. So. And at least it's dated. <laughs> I don't even know if it came out in 2012. It just it's, is 2012. Yeah, it just is 2012. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't recommend 20, or I don't remember 2012 well enough to to know if it sums up the year or not. But God only knows. Yeah, true. certainly we're too uh, too baby faced <laughs> to remember being alive in 2012. <laughs> Very unfortunately, true. Uh-huh. Did you have another another one? You said you had a few more, and you only said one. Anything else that really comes to mind? Oh yeah, um, I can't like I can't talk about you know cool music that I recommend without talking about K-pop because I love K-pop and I think it's kind of underrated. I think it's very underrated. <laughs> I know because unfortunately I think a lot of the K-pop that goes like viral and that like people hear is not the most interesting. Um, but my favorite K-pop album and also most people's favorite k-pop album like most people that i talk to about k-pop they're like yeah that album is very good like, i don't know if i've ever met anyone that dislikes it um and it's a lot of people's gateway into k-pop like it's their first k-pop album um it's called max and match by an, by an artist called luna um and they're it's just like extremely high quality pop music i don't really have much else to say about it than that but it's very cool and if you like pop music at all, I would recommend that you listen to it because it's very good. Cool. Those are some um, great recommendations. I remember uh, listening to Mookie Mookie Man Man Sue with you, I think. Yeah. Is that this one where they destroyed the instruments? Yeah. They have a live performance where they like, where one of the members like cuts up a drum with a hatchet and then it's puts it intense. in a basket and starts walking around the audience, handing it out to people while the other person is just like screaming over like it's it's incredible i forgot what the song is called but yeah it's it's something it's it's really good (laughs) (laughs) it might be the most funny video i've ever seen (laughs) that's that's a a bold statement but a respected one (laughs) thank you oh no worries no worries um other than just like things that you would say are cool recommendations are there any um albums that you've really connected with emotionally or has music been more of like um a pastime hobby i guess i don't know how to yeah i i think i get it um and yeah it definitely feels like more of a hobby to me um i don't really pay attention to lyrics um i'm sorry (laughs) i like i feel like it's kind of like a i don't know not good but um yeah i don't really pay attention to lyrics so it is it's more of like a i don't know i don't think i really it's very rare that i connect emotionally with an album um or you know like i feel things from an album typically it's like pretty surface level so you know yeah and i also like my favorite thing about music is just kind of listening to it and imagining like people making it um because sometimes i listen to music and i'm like how on earth did someone make this like how did they sit down and like you know like type on a computer and make this this is nuts (laughs) you know like who thought of this so I, i really like that and like picking out different sounds and stuff and imagining the person like creating it that's that's uh definitely one way to to go about doing it. <laughs> anyway, uh, it works for me oh totally and i tend to enjoy most music definitely and that's a rare skill most people can't do that and um he's really not kidding when he says <laughs> that <laughs> i think i think I'm, I'm getting into pretty much every genre um i liked a classical song last week and i was Crazy. like oh it's happening <laughs> like getting into classical in going in so. deep okay um I'm I'm curious as to how paying attention to music is important. Oh, well, um 
I think it I don't think it's super important unless you like want to like um or do you mean like paying attention as in like like listening to it and talking about it or or do you mean like literally paying attention to the sound I, I think I meant it in a more literal way, mm. though it's open to interpretation by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Um, I'm just kind of curious as to, to, to pick your brain about it, because I know you do have your own kind of particular way of listening to music, which I will ask you about okay. after. But um, I'm curious as to just what like the attention component of it is, I guess. Yeah. So um, I, I know I talked about that website, Rate Your Music, um, earlier, where you can, well, rate music. Um, and it's not just, like, you are assigning numbers. Um, so when I started using that website, I had to pay attention to the music I was listening to to rate it, which sounds kind of, you know, annoying. I know, like, rating things is kind of annoying, because if you give something a bad rating, it's like, well, like, what an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, obviously I don't really mean it like that. Um, but as soon as I started having to pay attention to the music to rate it so I could like, you know, assign a number to it, I ended up enjoying more music. (laughs) So weirdly getting into a site where you critique music made me enjoy it more, um, because I started paying attention to more of it. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why it made it and why it made me enjoy it more, but it definitely did. Whenever I listen to music, I enjoy it like, or Whenever I like really pay attention to the music that I'm listening to, you know, just like stare off into space or close my eyes or something and, you know, like listen to all the individual parts. Um, it's, it's a lot more enjoyable. Um, it also depends on the kind of music you're listening to as well. Things Certainly. with, yeah, lots of like depth, um, and lots of layers are really fun to like attempt to pick out the different layers. Um, and sometimes you can't do it. It's kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people get pretty uh, intricate with it all, but that is, um, I think a really important piece. I feel like for most people, music is kind of background in life. Like you're having dinner, you put on the radio or you're out with some friends, you put on some tunes and a speaker, but yeah, it's, it's a spe- special thing to really pay attention and um, look at it with that more critical eye, I guess. So um, that's why I was curious. But on the subject of actually listening to music, um, you have a great way of discovering new things, making yourself listen to new things. So could you tell me a little bit about your wish list and kind of how you do it? Oh, yeah. So um, I have way too much. Like, I want to listen to way too much music. Like, there's just too many albums I want to listen to. But obviously, I don't have, like, time and attention span to listen to that much new music. Um, so on that Rate Your Music website, there's a wish list feature where you can add albums to your wish list. Um, and so what I do is I have... Um, I kind of have a, a limit on that wish list. Like I don't want to put too many things on it because I know the moment there's like too many things, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop caring about it. Um, so I, I put a limit and then um, I can't add any more albums. If it's like at the limit, I can't add any more albums. So it's kind of motivation to like listen to them, to like clear the wish list so I can put new stuff on there. Because um, sometimes I see something, I'm like, this looks really cool. Like I think I'm going to love this. But then if I can't like save it anywhere, I'm just going to forget about it. So it's kind of motivation to listen to new things. Um, and yeah, before I use this site, I never listened to full albums either, um, <laughs> which I don't know. I know, you know, different people listen to different music or different people listen to music differently. Um, but I basically have this one giant playlist. Um, it's about to hit 3000 songs and I just put that on shuffle. 
Um, so that's kind of what I did. And then I don't know how I would discover new things. I honestly can't remember. Um, but now I like sit through albums and like listen to them on purpose, which I never really did before. Um, and it's really cool because there's lots of things that only you can only really pick up on if you listen to the album and, you know, like hear the context and stuff. Exactly. That's just what I was about to ask you. Do you feel like listening to albums gives more context to the songs in them? Definitely. There's times where I've like where a song has been released as a single and I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and You know, I like it. It's on the album and I'm like, whoa, it's really good. <laughs> so sometimes the context makes it, um, you know, different or makes you hear it differently. Um, or it serves a purpose in the album. Um, and one of the albums that came out recently uh, called Hysterical World, no, Mercurial World, excuse me, um, by Magdalena Bay, um, all the songs transitioned into, into each other um, very well. Um, and that's something you would not hear unless you listen to the album like front to back. And not only that, it loops. Um, so the end of the album um, loops into the beginning of the album. So if you have the album on loop, it, it like loops. Um, which is really cool um and yeah that kind of stuff you can't hear unless you listen to the album definitely um are there any albums or things that have come out recently that you've been really enjoying like what's your your been your last week or two weeks of music what does that look like yeah so recently there was a new jpeg mafia album um and i really like that so i've been listening to a lot of that um and then that magdalena bay album (laughs) uh i'm infected um, I can't stop listening to it. It's dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I had two midterm exam recently, um, and I was just looping it while taking the exam. Um, and I did really well on both of them, so I'm going to accredit that to uh, Magdalena Bay. Hell yeah. So, thank you. Too good. Too That's good. a great high five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed I didn't miss. Uh, <laughs> good job. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Um, all right. Those, those are some banging albums. I listened to the Mercurial World. I freaking really like Domino's. It's got a big poppy vibe. Heck yeah. Um, and new Peggy is great. So uh, I get it. But uh, what was I going to say? Uh, let's, let me let me flip a page here. I got, all good. I got, I got more questions. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. More <laughs> questions. Uh, I'm curious as to if you use music as a tool. And if so, like what way would you do that? I totally use music as a tool. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, yeah, I have music on while doing anything. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, does it not distract you? And I'm like, no, not really. Um, and in fact, most of the time I can, f- I feel that it makes me more productive, um, depending on the thing I'm doing, but especially when I'm coding, actually music makes me a lot more productive. Something about like, I don't know, it just gets me excited and, and keeps me going. So I totally use music to like I don't know, just puts me in a good mood, basically. And, and yeah. So, I'm rarely not listening to music. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, no, no, it's, it's a good thing. I, I, I love my music. I think it's a powerful thing. But um, uh, all I found is it's really hard to write and listen to lyrics at the same time. But otherwise... It's true, but I don't listen to lyrics. So, not a problem. <laughs> John's too powerful. <laughs> Built different. Um, I'm curious if you have any aspirations to make music. And um, if so, what influences you to want to do that? I would love to make music. Um, I just am incompetent at it. <laughs> and I know I could put in effort to like learn. Like I know that's how it works, but um, I haven't found the motivation or time to do that. Um, I even have the tools. Like I have a MIDI keyboard and like I have Ableton, and which is a music production program. Um, and yeah, I would love to. Uh, one day. One day I will. Um, 
and what in what motivates me i don't know i just sometimes i get things in my head i'm like this would be cool if it existed <laughs> but i can't make it so it's stuck in my head all right um are there any artists in particular that inspire you to want to make music yes um one of my favorite artists is called sweet trip um and they make i was talking about shoegaze earlier they make shoegaze and like just really kind of glitchy music um and i love glitchy things i don't know why i just find it very pleasing to hear glitchy noises so and i'm not alone either <laughs> you know there's like jpeg mafia makes a lot of glitchy music too he, he makes glitch hop which is glitch music and hip-hop so glitch hop glitch hop um Bangin'. i mean injury reserve made a pretty pretty glitchy sounding album that's true yeah um so i love i would love to make some cool glitchy you know like sample based music i think that would be fun curious curious um uh i i want to take a bit of a, a different turn um because i'm fascinated with how people got to where they are so um uh what, what was what was young john like what was what was little john like i, I mean i have my own answer to this question uh because <laughs> Ooh, i want to hear that <laughs> well i mean i just knew you my memory isn't the best but um uh, well i have the same problem um i i i can't remember i'm gonna be honest <laughs> all i can remember is like what my parents have told me apparently i was a really cool kid cool kid and like outgoing and just kind of chill i'm gonna be honest i think that's kind of continued <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're not wrong uh, i don't know if i've changed much <laughs> john's always just been kind of cool and chill i've always loved music yeah <laughs> yeah i mean my dad is a huge music fan so growing up around him was i like music he was in a band actually speaking of being in a band well speaking of him being in a band i'm actually wearing a shirt of the first concert that i ever went to which is oh well you probably can't see that but um it's uh it was it was the first show i ever went to um and my dad's band was playing there yeah yeah That's and so for cool. my birthday this year my grandma just like shipped me a bunch of old t-shirts and this was one of them Damn. so yeah that's, that's very cool um i definitely remember marveling about your dad making music and like i think one of his songs was like lawnmower instructions in yeah. french <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that so much i don't I, I don't know who thought of that but um it's just like it's this kind of like really loungy like bossa nova kind of beat um and it's just one of my uncles reading the lawnmower instructions in french in just a comedically bad french accent um and <laughs> i love it so much i mean that's that's, that's uh pretty pretty original i've never even thought of that <laughs> no, I, don't <laughs> I don't know if it's i mean i love it but i don't know if it's like good <laughs> i mean what, what is good right it's, it's very all, true yeah it's all it's all personal preference yeah that's one thing in music communities that always irks me is how judgmental people are i hate that too um and i actually i used to be really judgmental um until i started joining those communities and they're like yeah i hate those people and i'm like what i would never be those people <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah and then you and were then not I, I, yeah and then i was not and i was like man yeah that's not very nice i'm glad to hear there's some some personal growth there that's always a great thing redemption um as far as personal growth goes too um i'm curious as to how our youth outdoor education class as well as um, your experience with getting into mini school has helped you grow well i don't i don't know too much um because it's hard to know what would have happened if i didn't <laughs> so um but i don't know they were very interesting experiences i mean why we especially um where we just went on big hiking and backpacking trips um 
I had never that was that was crazy like I, I had never done anything even remotely as challenging as that um and just like interesting um and I love to travel and stuff too so um that was like really good I don't know how it helped me grow really um I was I think I was pretty ignorant in high school so <laughs> I don't know I, I don't know if I really paid attention to anything you know any of the like good lessons we learned in hindsight you know like I can see it, um, all the cool stuff we did but I don't know at the time I was just kind of enjoying enjoying it at, yeah. at face value I mean hindsight's always a uh, twenty twenty. so usually of something did um, cause you to grow or um, impacted you it might not be till later that you really realize the effect it's had on you totally although I will say um, I know you mentioned the STEM program earlier that yeah. very viscerally changed me because um, <laughs> Um, first of all, it took up half of my schooling time, um, and the two teachers um, that ran STEM, Mr. Hangeveld and Mr. Janzi, um, who were both really amazing, um, they they did they do not do school like most other school. <laughs> it's like completely different, um, and the whole idea was that it was supposed to be like when you're in the industry. Um, so when you actually go get a job, um, and it's not that I didn't believe them. Um, but when I actually got a job, I was like, wow, they were very right. Like, this is exactly how it works, at least in my limited experience of, you know, one job. <laughs> but A whole job. Yeah, like the the um, the evaluations we did in STEM were very similar to the ones that I did with my boss, like, about programming, um, which was really cool. In hindsight, I was like, wow, like, I learned how to do this stuff and, like, all that fail fast, fail often and just kind of, like, figuring things out. Normally in school it's not really a thing like you're not really let to f just kind of figure things out right normally you get a textbook or something to study from right where you have like a person telling you what to do um but in stem they were just kind of more there as mentors so they would kind of guide you and lead you in the right direction and answer your questions and stuff but they weren't really like teaching you like you know hard things uh, well they were doing that too because it's they have to it's part of the you know curriculum and stuff but um a lot of it was just kind of figure it out yourself um and yeah that was a really valuable <laughs> skill to learn especially as a programmer um because yeah I remember i was saying that's like one of the most important skills um so that definitely changed me like quite a bit the skill of um learning to fail and yeah the skill of that and like figuring stuff out on your own just like being very valuable being left to do something truly um those are uh, amazing things to incorporate into your life freaking what a better thing to do than learn i know <laughs> um <laughs> i wish like there was more opportunity for people to learn like that because um, it was like one school and one program and you know they only had limited space too so you know not everyone could do it um but yeah i hope um that schooling goes um, closer to that direction in the future yeah i think i think it will um because clearly there's something to it and um the systems will have to change eventually things are changing slowly but surely like um my mom's program is designed to be a lot more like that she's making a program and that's, that's what seems like the future of education is going to be so it's exciting it's a, it's a great prospect and, i am uh, really glad to have been a part of that like isn't like you know as totally. one of the first people doing that and um 
We just had a very lucky high school experience, I think. Almost definitely, which is kind of funny because the high school we went to was not particularly nice. <laughs> like, shout out to Templeton. Shout out to Templeton Secondary. <laughs> school kind of sucks. But uh, what we did was awesome. We got the hike, play with robots. You got STEM and mini and shit. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, well, that that's um, a, a bit of a side turn from the three things I said we would want to talk about, but that's, nice. that's okay. That's oh, okay. I love some unexpected questioning. I mean, you gotta, you gotta. I'm not going to lie. I was expecting the unexpected questioning. Damn. <laughs> One step ahead of you. All right. All right. So um, I, I want to talk about bikes and cities and stuff because I think, I think that's interesting. Um, I love bikes and cities. Those are great. Things. How did you know? <laughs> Wait a minute. So... Um, I guess I I want to start off a bit more on what you like about biking. I know I know um, long distance biking has always been something you've you've had your eye out for. So, what is it about getting on a bike and going somewhere that appeals to you? I genuinely don't know. Okay. I it's just I it's fun. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't think there's any particular reason. I mean, there's there's some stuff like it's kind of fun to see new places, but I don't know. That's kind of superficial. I don't know. I, it's just kind of fun. I don't really, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't answer that question very well. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious asking around. Um, so do you, do you know about the plan to improve uh, human powered transport in, in Vancouver? Do you know what the city is doing with that? Uh, I know a little bit. Human powered, um, by the way. Yeah. Only human powered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in Vancouver, there's kind of um, there's this organization called TransLink, um, and most people know them here for being public transit. Um, but they actually do a lot more things. So they also maintain roads um, and cycle infrastructure and walking infrastructure and basically anything that anyone uses to get around, um, TransLink probably has its fingers in. Um, so they're responsible for most of the, well, I'm not, I, I can't say all, you know, like the bike infrastructure, because I know we actually had a mayor in Vancouver that just built a bunch of bike infrastructure and like didn't care what anyone said um and which turns out was a good thing because the the people who like cared were dumb and then they were like wait a sec bike lanes are good why were we in opposition to that (laughs) so shout out to that guy um but yeah i i'm not i'm not sure other than what translink has so i know translink has a really big plan yeah to put in 850 kilometers of new bike infrastructure. 800 through just the Vancouver or the greater Vancouver area? This is through the whole Fraser Valley. Um, And when I say uh, like new bike infrastructure, I mean, they have a term, it's called AAA bike infrastructure. And Uh. uh, (laughs) yeah, um, and it stands for all ages and abilities. So that would be like, you could take your kid on that kind of, it's not just like a bike lane. It's like a protected bike path that, you know, you could take a child on. So it's very cool considering the amount of like stuff we have like that right now is kind of pathetic. Um, It's really like not, there isn't very much of it. So they're, they're like probably building 20 times the amount that we currently have, which is really exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Do you know what's going on with skateboarding? I do. Yes. I love, I love this. Um, I learned about, um, this fantastic YouTube channel called About Here, um, run by Yute Lee. I think that's how you say his name. I'm sorry if I butchered it, um, but he's shout a out. <laughs> shout out to Yute Lee. <laughs> I love that guy so much. Um, but he makes really cool videos about city planning and like city policy in Vancouver. Um, and he recently did a video about skateboarding. 
um, and the city. I learned in uh, up until 2005, I think from the 80s or 90s, skateboarding was banned. Um, so you weren't allowed to skateboard like outside of skateboarding parks, of which there weren't very many. Um, and yeah, then they reversed the ban, and this year they have this big plan to like make skateboarding really good. So they're embracing, um, they're building a whole bunch of new skate parks, um, and they're but beyond that, they're embracing um, places. Uh, uh, skate friendly places I think that's what they called them um, where basically they're just kind of like plazas like basically things that would be good for skating but that aren't built for skating so like a fountain or like stairs or something like that the uh, Um, Vancouver Art Gallery is a big place exactly yeah there's a whole bunch of actually I did not know this but apparently Vancouver is like a really big skating hub and was like one of the first places in North America to like really like build parks and stuff Uh, first skate shops in Canada Skull Skates and Kitsilano heck yeah so um, it's really cool that we're like going back and like you know redeeming ourselves a little bit and and creating hopefully a much better environment to skate in truly freaking hostile infrastructure sucks it sucks so much and is so extremely lame <laughs> big l i mean unless you get good enough to do tricks off the hostile <laughs> infrastructure but then you're just at like another level yeah then you're just sticking it to the city and you're like what are you gonna do build hostile <laughs> infrastructure that's not gonna stop just gonna me. skate on it <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know but um it's it's a it's a it's a cool thing it's a really cool thing it's amazing that um people are embracing it i think the olympics has a big thing to do with that yeah and that's that's super cool um and i know there's a there's a couple of sports currently going through that too um skating skateboarding was like that um this olympics and then there's there was climbing as well which is super cool um there's a lot of new sports i never thought about this before but um ever since you got me into climbing you were telling me about the history of climbing and i was like wait it's only like 30 or 40 years old or something like that like you know like sport climbing um and i was like wow can't believe we're still inventing new sports (laughs) and it's kind of cool that we get to watch some of them be like become like real sports right now like climbing is part of the olympics and skateboarding and you know longboarding and break dancing is part of the olympics which rules (laughs) i love that so much um so yeah i really like that yeah it's it's an amazing thing um I i think it's it's uh so cool that people's views are being expanded outside the traditional kind of like air quote sports that everyone does through college or yeah. high school or whatever it's it's cool that, that people are just doing their own thing and it's getting recognized so and we live in a pretty great city for that too Friggin', oh my the God. skateboarding the longboarding <laughs> the climbing <laughs> everything's here yeah um so to vancouver rare rare and based, rare and based. <laughs> also expensive jesus <laughs> no comment <laughs> <laughs> no comment so um i'm, I'm curious about what do you think that, um, or what do you think that are some things that Vancouver does really well in city planning, and what are some things it does rather poorly? So there are um, a lot of very smart people who have written books about this. Um, there's a there's a thing called Vancouverism, which is like, it's a way of designing a city, basically um, named after Vancouver because we did it so well, um, and actually like. If you compare Vancouver to the world, it kind of like it's it's okay, um, but if you compare it to North America, it's like wild. It's like so much better than most other cities. Like <laughs> it's crazy, um, and you can really notice this if you travel outside of Vancouver. So, for example, there's I don't think there's any highways that go through Vancouver, um, like the, the city of Vancouver, like the official boundaries. Um, there's kind of like one on the east part. I don't know, kind of touches it, but not really, right? Um, cities like Seattle have huge freeways through downtown. Um, and it sucks like really awful 
horrible in like so many different ways um it like totally kills your city um and so vancouver didn't do that they were trying to um and of course like in typical north american you know like white people fashion they were trying to destroy like racialized neighborhoods to build a freeway and people were not cool with that uh, so they didn't and then they continued to not and now that we live in the future um people have realized that building highways through cities is a terrible idea and so we sort of stopped doing that unless you're austin texas and you're expanding your highway to be 28 lanes through the center of your city which is nuts because if you're to imagine crossing that as a pedestrian even if you're to walk over a bridge that's a long ass bridge to walk over a highway and that like totally kill is just a dead zone you can't put anything there so yeah you so uh, vancouver does that really well um and something <clears throat> something I, I learned recently is that in vancouver we have laneway houses um which are basically houses built um in a backyard uh, that open out onto the lane um, and I don't know how, but I ended up on the Wikipedia article for laneway, laneway houses. And they're like, this is a Vancouver thing. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> this only happens here? Well, I don't know only, but it started here and it's kind of big here. Um, and I really like laneway houses. They're really cute. I live in one, um, and I love it. It's great. So shout out to laneway houses. Um, what are, the, what are some things that Vancouver does terribly wrong? Luckily, not that many. Um, <laughs> in terms of like urban city planning and stuff, it's we're we're pretty solid. Um, but the, there is definitely like if you leave Vancouver, it kind of sucks again. Um, so I, yeah, like I remember I mentioned earlier that I was taking buses for fun, um, and so I went out into like one of the suburbs um, called uh, Pit Meadows, and so just looking around, like it's like strip mall it's like it's completely different from this from like the city of vancouver um so yeah the suburbs are still like kind of bad um but <laughs> uh there I, I think there's i think they're they're aware of it and they're trying to fix it at, at least they're self-aware um the one thing that has always, has always irked me about vancouver housing is the vancouver specials oh yeah because um those just suck the freaking basements are six foot two so instead of building three floors, which would cost more money, they just built two floors houses with really big basements to sell it as a three-floored house that they only had to pay two floors to make. So all the basements here, if you're above six foot, which luckily I'm not. <laughs> you hit wow. <laughs> Terrible, I know. Um, yeah. But it is true. Like Everything's short. Yeah. kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, I can't fit in the older Skytrains um, when I'm sitting in the seat. Like I have to spill over into the next one. I literally cannot fit. Too thick. It kind of sucks. Oh, and also I have. I, sorry, I thought of a way better answer to the what can what does Vancouver do poorly? Thank you. Um, which is zoning. Our zoning sucks. So if you look at like Vancouver, um, there's a whole bunch of condos in downtown, and then just single family homes everywhere else. Only one person can occupy. You know, like a huge pl- you know, plot of land, right? And of course, Vancouver, being Vancouver, has a horrible housing crisis where everything is like completely unaffordable, and you know people don't really have anywhere to live. So it's insane that huge swaths of land are just taken up by single-family houses, um, because there's great alternatives to that, um, which not just condos, but like smaller, um, smaller apartment buildings that only have like four units or something in them, um, and stuff like uh, you know living above like a convenience store. Um, there's a couple of those in Vancouver. 
but they're rare because they're illegal, which is nuts. Um, and they're really nice. Like you can live above a cafe, which is like the best thing ever because you can just go to the cafe, you know, whenever you want. Um, but yeah, the zoning sucks. So there's large parts of Vancouver where you can't build anything but a single family home. So I think huh. we should fix that. I had no idea. Crazy. Um, are there any other countries that you really look up to for their planning or transit? Um, yes. Um, there's a lot of... Europe just does things well for city planning in general. Um, and my favorite example of this is this city in Finland. Um, and luckily, we're in Vancouver. We don't have to deal with this a lot. But a lot of other Canadian cities get snow in the winter, like a lot of snow. Um, and this is kind of pushed as an excuse that, oh, people can't bike. You know, people can't cycle to work regularly because in the winter it will snow and then they can't bike. Um, but there's a city in Finland where it's like very snowy. I mean, it's Finland. Um, and like there's some insane number, like percentage of people bike, like very high. I, I don't want to quote a statistic because I might just be way off. Um, but people bike there through the winter. In fact, the rates of cycling don't go down at the winter um and this is because people have uh people have like bikes that are built for it but most importantly is they put effort into maintaining the bike infrastructure um so here what happens is like snow plows will go and clear roads and nothing else but up there they will have snow plows that will clear the bike paths so that bikes can use them um during the winter so they have like really high cycling rates of of during the winter which is really cool that is cool. And the freaking horn people off off uh, cars is a, is a great thing for the planet, for everyone. Exactly. Um, bikes are pretty magical. Shout out bikes. Bikes are cool. <laughs> uh, ooh. Are there any ideas that you sh- think should be utilized that aren't? Like, uh, is there anything that you know about that you just are so frustrated to see people not do? Like, it for, like, city planning? Yeah. Yes. Um, oh. <laughs> Man, I could generate such a long list. Um, yeah, because especially... I won't. Don't worry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in North America, we suck at things. We're just so incompetent at city planning for some reason. I don't understand why, but um, one of the worst things um, is it's called a strode. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a mix between a street and a road. Um, and I'm going to describe it to you, and you're going to go, oh, that sounds very familiar. Because unfortunately it is, because they're everywhere, um, and it's basically it's it's basically like a street that has lots of things on it, right? So lots of shops and like turns and or like driveways and stuff, um, but it's really high throughput, like it's really fast traffic, um, and so if you if you like want to walk down that, it sucks because you got people like turning into driveways and stuff, um, and you you have to like you have to cross and you always check your shoulder and you're right next to like high traffic um and it's typically just strip mall too you know like it's there's no walkability there's no like there's no community you're just like in a strip mall you know and you go to your shop and then just leave um and so those really suck so much um, but there's so many of them um but yeah luckily we're trying to fix that i think Uh, i think we've realized that it's bad but we still haven't stopped building them (laughs) freaking strodes so frick strodes (laughs) my worst enemy all right I, I respect it that does sound like um a rather dreadful way to build your cities and i'm thinking of all the roads that would be so nice if you could just walk in them yeah and by the way they're horribly unprofitable they lose cities so much money 
I would imagine. It makes me think of um, France on this little island that I visit sometimes. And you got these um, roads with stores and they're blocked. Like cars don't drive on roads with stores and you just walk down and there's people. Everyone's talking. You got like people playing music. and It's so good. This is fantastic. It's so good. And there's there's a couple places in Vancouver kind of like that. Um, But what's really exciting is um, I I was talking about TransLink earlier um, and they released this big plan. Uh, for the next 30 years called transport 2050 and it's like it's their big plan everything from transit to you know driving and stuff and they have lots of ambitious goals like to stop traffic fatalities which i respect but also good luck um (laughs) people are stupid people are dumb um but uh yeah one of the things they really pushed was like walkability and just like streets as i think it was streets as places rather than something else basically a street you would go to rather than just walk through to get somewhere, right? Um, a place to go, right, where you can hang out and, you know, feel comfortable and not be run over. Yeah, I mean, Commercial Drive is the only, like, really local place that makes me think of that. And even then, you got... You still have cars. Commercial Drive and yeah. First Avenue and, and Maine and Granville, all those places going through. Well, not Maine. I'm like, I don't even know how yeah. to work. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. So um, they want to, f- you know, fix that. They want to create more of those, like, walkable you know, just like people first. I think that's what they say. People first streets, um, and not car first. Um, but who knows if they actually will. (laughs) It's it's always a mystery. We can hope. We can always hope. And, uh, I I think it points to a brighter future at the very least. Indeed. Um, I have my unanswered question or unfinished question here. It just says, what's your, (laughs) I didn't, I I don't, I don't know what my, no, yeah i'm sorry i have a good answer for that question (laughs) how about what's your favorite color uh mm, that's tough (laughs) (laughs) seriously not really i I really like pink Pink. i think pink is an underrated color pink is an underrated color but there's lots of things i would not color pink number one being my car i would not own a pink car shout out to you if you have a pink car though i'm not (laughs) hating i'm just personally i would not have a pink car what would you have pink uh i would have a wall pink honestly i don't really know i just like the i, I, I pink is cool <laughs> i like pink you're, you're not wrong <laughs> um that's that's all the questions i had for you john incredible so, uh thank you thank you for coming on thank you for having me that was that was really fun it is, it is kind of fun um uh, i always forget to do this but i'd love to say thank you to people because a lot of people have really supported me in doing this so um thank you thank you reiner you've you've been uh, such a help for literally everything i would not be here if it was not for you um thank you to my old man my dad for which i have some of this lovely equipment and um thank you to my mother for who i have a house which is kind of incredible and uh, so true cushions to sit on so very nice cushions i may add <laughs> imported from thailand but you don't get to see them <laughs> oh lame <laughs> i mean you can kind of describe them they've got funky patterns and they're kind of like uh it's like a circular prism that's not a real thing is it i think it's just a cylinder cylinder oh that's what i was looking for they're just like kind of short cylinders um another person i have to give a big thank you to is um my from my, my dear friend sam mitchell oh there's more people actually but sam mitchell uh thank you you made me music i have theme music oh what the heck i know it's amazing oh i'm excited to hear that and um the other person i must thank is noah um because he's the only reason i can stick any of these videos together at all so thank you noah i love you uh, I love you all, and uh, shout out to those great people. Thank, thank you for tuning in. If you actually listened, uh, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs>
I love you all and uh, the, the have a good night have a good night alright I gotta gotta go turn things off now E <laughs>